Welcome to CDW's Legal Inclusion Team Podcast, where we host conversations on diversity, equity, and inclusion from the lens of a corporate legal team. I'm Gil Cubia, CDW's Director and Senior Counsel for Global Ethics and Compliance. And in this episode, we've invited Joy Bourgeois and Michelle Kilkenny from our law firm partner, Kirkland & Ellis. Joy serves as Kirkland's Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and today she serves as my co-host during the show. And our very special guest is Michelle, a true trailblazer among senior women partners in corporate finance and a DEI leader at Kirkland. Michelle offers us perspectives on DEI in big law. She provides her insights on women's leadership in the profession, and together the three of us explore ideas on elevating women in leadership and equity and inclusion post-COVID. Let's listen to the conversation. I think a great place for us to start, Joy, is with a little bit about you and your background. Maybe tell us a little also about the firm. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Gil. Well, I'm so excited to be here and, and do this podcast with you and Michelle. Um, I think this is a wonderful way to tell tell the world about the work we're doing with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So um, I'm the Global Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Kirkland & Ellis, which I am really thrilled to be doing work for. It's a fabulous law firm filled with really exceptional people who actually care about uh, inclusion, belonging, and um, inequity. So uh, I know people might not think that about <laughs> one of the world's most successful firms, but uh, it truly is about um, belonging and in a community of people who want to win. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled to, to be at the firm. It's been about three years. I'm recovering a corporate lawyer. So I know a lot of corporate <laughs> lawyers say that. Um, right. So it's really wonderful to have parlayed that experience as a, a former lawyer um, and business development coach to um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So really thrilled to be at the firm and working with wonderful leaders like Michelle and meeting folks like you. Oh, thank you. And we're thrilled to have you on the show co-hosting today. And our, our guests, we are joined by Michelle Kilkenny and Michelle, can you start us off with a little bit about you and your background and also share with us what inspired you to pursue a career in corporate transactional law, particularly on the private equity side, the finance side of private equity? I think that's so interesting. Can you share that with us as you tell us a little bit about yourself? That would be great. Thank you. And I also want to say thanks so much for having me. This is a wonderful opportunity to, to highlight these important issues and topics. Uh, so thank you. You know, it's funny. When I went to college, I went to be a doctor. All I wanted to do was help people. And I, I, spent, a, I spent six months in a small liberal arts school, and I fell in love with women's issues, women's studies, history, political science, and quickly switched over to thinking about how I could add value to the world, uh, doing something more in that realm. And there's nothing more than lawyers that the lawyers love to do is than to study and and really dissect issues. <laughs> yes, and, that's true. And I, I thought to myself, wow, I could I could take all of my passion for pub, public interest work, pro bono work, and go to law school. And now you're saying to yourself, well, wait, how did you possibly end up at Kirkland 20 years later? 
couldn't have predicted it at all. Uh, I spent a year in law school and I did well. And people said to me, you should really check out this thing called big law. I'm like, big law? I'm from a small town in Ohio. My mom was a school teacher. Didn't, didn't have really the background to understand what it was really all about. But I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I, I put in all my applications and I loved the idea of being in the Midwest and Kirkland really fit the bill. So I came not super informed, if I'm being honest, about what big law was, what corporate law was, what finance law was, not super informed, but excited about the opportunity to work in a large law firm with complicated, complex issues and really smart people. And what I found was really remarkable. There was a, my practice was 10 people at the time. And I, this, the leader of the practice was actually a professor of financial, uh, of uniform commercial code law. And he treated me like I was a first year associate. It was just he and I, we worked one-on-one -on -one and I got to see what it really meant to be hands-on corporate transactional lawyer while I was value adding as a summer associate and really getting in depth on the job training from this person. Like if it hadn't been me doing that job, it would have been a first year associate. And that stuck with me and convinced me, even though I was pretty unsure whether I still wanted to do big law to come and give it a try. And that that was 20 years ago this in the last couple of weeks. I don't know the exact date I started, but 20 years ago in September, oh, I came wow. back to Kirkland. Congratulations. Yes, Thank congratulations. You. <laughs> Thank you. And what keeps me here now is the same thing that drew me here then. The complex work alongside people that are passionate about what they're doing and really invested in paying it forward and building the bench. When I was a young associate, I was the beneficiary of that philosophy and mantra. And now I get to be the person really building the bench in a meaningful way. Um, and so it's, you know, 20 years later, that's, that's definitely the same reason. So that's great. That's great. It sounds like very early on, you had the benefit of someone who allowed you to have a seat at the table, even as a summer associate. Were there any women at that time that inspired you to continue to pursue corporate transactions work? So I liked uh, the very first day I showed up at Kirkland as a first year associate, somebody said to me, how would you like to do this small transaction called United with uh, Linda Myers? And I said, wow, that sounds fascinating. Um, I would love to. And just a little bit of color about Linda. And I, to be very honest with you, she is, she was my mentor, my sponsor, my dear friend, somebody that, you know, I spend a lot of time with outside of work and I, I value the relationship tremendously. But at that point in my career, she was a young, younger share partner building her, building her book of business and building her position in the firm. And what was truly remarkable for me about that experience was it was, it continued on that summer associate experience for me. It was a very small team. I was immediately integrated into the team and I was given responsibility early and often and not just you know, go do this. It was, please sit in my office and let's talk about these issues. Let's talk about how it all hangs together. And fundamentally what I, what I, what I experienced and what I hope I can give people now as a senior, more senior partner, partner is opportunity to, to meet closely with clients and build relationships with clients and build relationships with important people inside the institution. Um, trust. Like it, it takes time to build trust, but she was, she gave me trust in a way that let me spread my wings early, very early in my career. I mean, I was running deals before I was 30 because I had that, that real mentorship and sponsorship um, experience with her in a way that I felt comfortable 
that I could serve, I could thrive in this environment because I knew I had somebody that was always there to help teach me and also give me that space to, to experience it. So those are, you know, having an influential mentor like that and somebody who really invests in you is critical. It was critical to, to my success. The other part of it though was my, if I'm saying like, who are my role models? My mom. My mom was a single mom, school teacher. And from the very youngest point in my life, I remember her saying to me, all you need to do is put your head down and work really hard. Anything is possible if you work hard enough. And so that's been sort of my operating assumption. And grit, perseverance, resiliency, those are all words we hear now. Those are the fancy words for put your head down and work really hard. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And that's what my mom taught me. So no, that's so great. Um, and and so I love hearing about all the women. Let's talk about the guys. What did you learn from them? Because men, you know, let's let's face it, men have really gotten this corporate transactional, uh, big law practice figured out. What were your what were their lessons? Who really, you know, kind of taught you and paved the way for you? I what I what I learned from them is you have to learn to be your authentic self and. In our world, I think it's easier for men to be themselves and succeed because there, there's this perception that the commonalities to build business or connect with peers to um, get feedback and really experience, it's easier for men because there, there's this notion that they have more common interests, whether it's golf or going out to you know, fill in the blank. And those aren't my interests, right? But what I did learn from a lot of the men, and I had men mentors and sponsors was they were comfortable with themselves to mentor me at a time when maybe it wasn't always so easy for men. And they were also comfortable expressing that maybe they didn't want to play golf. Maybe they wanted to do something else and really authentically talking about their own passions at the same time as recognizing differences. Um, I am a very different person than Joe, Mark, um, Susie, fill in the name that are my peers. But Succeeding here and succeeding in general in life, I think, is really recognizing you have to be authentic, embrace your authenticity, and also recognize it's okay to be different and also find the commonalities to, to bridge. And those experiences were really, um, I did learn that when you when you peeled back the layers of the onion, when you're talking to men, mentors, and sponsors, and, and they were comfortable enough to, to talk to you about their own experiences. So. That's great. I like, I like hearing that. That's important, though. And your point about grit and persistence. I think in the absence of those role models, young attorneys and just young professionals generally can have to rely on grit and persistence more. So when, when those when, when those role models and mentors don't exist for them, I mean, obviously you want to seek them out and or if you're just lucky to be in a space where there is one, that's great. But uh, aside from grit and persistence, what other advice can you offer, let's say, the young professional starting out who, does, who, who may not have access to a role model or a mentor? What, what, what advice can you share? We talk a lot about how law school doesn't really prepare you for corporate transactional practice, you know, and big law. So, you know, maybe something about that, too, because it's you know, it's kind of a, you know, a, a sink or swim. It's it's such a different, um, it's a, a learn while doing, you know, on the job training. You know, how, how, how would your advice, you know, kind of cover that point, which is a big one for those who want to do corporate law. For sure. And it, it absolutely doesn't prepare you. I mean, I was a woman's studies 
major for all intents and purposes. I, I learned how to think, but I, I had never seen it. Just to put this in context, I had never seen a balance sheet. I didn't take any economics class and I'm a finance lawyer, so you can do it too. I, <laughs> um, I did do it. <laughs> I can relate. Yes, uh, same. I, <laughs> I think there's some, there's some really key ways to succeed. One of them is not being afraid to ask for help and that's showing vulnerability. And let's be honest, in some ways men are have a harder time showing vulnerability and asking for help than women. I think that's a strength. It's part of EQ and there's studies that, that you know, we, we excel as, as women in particular in that area. But asking for help goes a long way. One, because it shows you are interested in, in the, the potential mentor or sponsor or just the person that you want to help, you want to have a rapport with that can be your go-to. It, it shows them you're interested and then it creates that relationship in a way that you know you have somebody that's not related to you and not necessarily on your transaction that you could go ask questions to. I've never encountered in all my years practicing law somebody who isn't willing to really take the time when they're asked a question. It can be really scary without a doubt to say, I don't know how to do this. You're right. Yes, it, you're right. Because because many young professionals start off and, and even more senior professionals have what they call imposter syndrome. So by asking for help and letting people know that you don't know something, sometimes you're afraid that could actually confirm that maybe I don't belong here and you don't want them to see you that way. But to your point, I think I know I welcome it when more junior professionals or even my peers reach out to me for help. I, I welcome that and because I, I feel comfortable and safe reaching out to them too with a question about something that I'm, I may not know. But it's important to your point to be able to admit you don't know something and to be vulnerable and ask for help when you need it. Yes, I think it's an excellent point. And absolutely. And she also talked about, you know, when you ask those questions, you're really paving the way to creating a relationship. And this entire business is about relationships and leveraging relationships, creating them, finding them, constant, constant relationship building. And that's another thing we don't learn in law school, that being a lawyer is about relationships. I wish they taught a class on that in law school. That would be a, <laughs> that would be a good one, I think. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Our profession generally is about relationships, whether you're working for a law firm or even in-house in my role. It's, a lot, it's about relationship building. You know, am I approachable? Does the business feel like they can come to me for help, right? So it's all about relationships. I think that's in impactful relationships. I think that's extremely important. So wonderful, wonderful point as well. The, the other thing, just one other point on this, and it goes hand in hand with that, is being brave. We, we all have made, you know, if you were walking into your new job, you've already accomplished a lot by getting that job. And you just have to continue and be brave and take a chance. Like the, I look back in my career and the hardest times were the biggest opportunities for growth for me. And I, I can identify them at each point when, as I was matriculating up the ranks without a doubt, somebody, somebody had faith in my ability to do it. And I was brave enough to try. Um, and was it perfect? No, but I was brave enough to try. So Absolutely. So to talk about something I, I think about all the time and um, was, you know, the reason why I'm at the firm, um, to talk a little bit about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we'll just call it DEI for short. And I love to touch on gender inclusion. 
um, and gender equity, because certainly in the finance world and private equity, it is still very much an issue, you know, to see women leaders. So, um, Michelle, I know you've been so active at the firm, uh, uh, particularly in the, the Chicago office, really driving our DEI efforts and our um, gender inclusion efforts. What challenges do you see in 2022 that persists for women's leadership? Uh, and also for, you know, and this will be a little bit different, um, yes, for women, but women who are intersectional intersectional, women who happen to be people of color or part of the LGBTQ plus community? What are the continuing challenges you see? So when I, th I think more holistically, we have made impressive, I would say, honestly, uh, we push forward impressively on a raw number basis. And by that, I mean, you look at the classes that are coming through both at college, uh, law school and, and big law, and the, the numbers are much better than they were when I started. But What's still confronting us is that what I what we often call the inclusivity piece, and by that I mean we're we are drawing people, talented people that are diverse women, LGBTQ plus to the firm and to the profession, but how are we going to keep them? And we're going to keep them in positions of leadership in five to ten years. That that for me is the real challenge of the DEI work at this point is is ensuring that the folks that we have found and are excited to have with us feel that they are part of the community, feel that they are getting mentored and feel that they're being invested in and that they are investing in themselves and are interested in staying here to become the leaders of Kirkland, fill, fill in the blank. It, you could say that for a lot of different places, but that is, uh, from, that is, you know, in principle, one of the most important things I think we have to still continue to address and push forward. What are your thoughts? Oh, well, I, I think there are <laughs> I, I think it's true in-house as well. Um, how do we retain talent and diverse talent and make our diverse talent feel like this is a safe place for them, that they can be themselves here, that they're heard? Um, yes, all of that's very important. Um, obviously, we too are challenged with how to go about doing that, how to build a pipeline. Uh, we're focused on our pipeline building. Um, part of this podcast initiative, um, one of our goals is to help attract talent and you know let people know that we're here and that this is important to us. DEI is important to us. Um, we're trying to make make work a place where people feel comfortable and this is a place they want to be. Um, at any stage in their career. So yes, it's the same for, for us in-house as well. It's great. I have to say, it's really great to be on this podcast with two phenomenal women like you two. Um, so what do you two think um, you could do on an individual level? What can each one of us do just personally to make a positive impact on DEI generally, whether it's, you know, gender equity and women's leadership or, you know, just inclusion of and equity of people of color and LGBTQ plus folks. Just one thing we can do. Each one, teach one like that. <laughs> I, I say be a mentor. Be a mentor. And it, it can be to a peer and it can be to a junior lawyer. It can be to a law student. Um, I sought out an opportunity to be a mentor uh, through the Corporate Council Women of Color 
organization this past summer. I signed up as a mentor and I was happy to hear from a student who just reached out to me and that can be scary for the student. And I just, you know, I was very happy to hear from them and I, they asked advice and I shared advice and I said, I'm, I'm always going to be here. Even if this program ends, always feel, feel like you can reach out. So letting people know that they have a place to go to get questions answered and, and also try and inspire you know, young people, junior high, high school students as well. Sometimes if a person can see someone in a role like them, they can believe that that's possible. And they I'm can not see it, they can be it. Exactly. If you can see it, you can be it. And um, I'm not suggesting that everyone could go out and become a lawyer, but just <laughs> to everyone. pursue, yeah, right, right, to pursue their dreams. Sometimes if they see, oh, wow, this person, was brave, was persistent, demonstrated grit, and achieved these things, I can do it too. So yes, being a mentor, being a sponsor even in, yeah. within your organization. Yes. No, that's great. Michelle, what about you? So uh, I, I definitely believe in both of those. Those were two of my answers as well. The third thing I think is we have to, well, there's, I think two things. From my vantage point, it's important when I'm staffing deals, when I'm opening new matters, when I'm developing client relationships, that I'm strategic and thoughtful about who I bring with me and do it with intention because that that is how I am here 20 years later. Somebody with intention was thoughtful when I could not be thoughtful about my own career trajectory because I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so being intentional when I see young people that are excited and interested and, and not being shy to bring them early to client meetings and clients and giving them those opportunities. The, the other point is continuing to be reflective ourselves and not just women and diverse attorneys, but all of us. And by that, I mean, we all have to continue to do the work about what it means to have implicit bias and be comfortable to talk about things that maybe aren't so comfortable. But when you normalize them and you are constantly reflecting on your own about how we can be better, I think that that inures to the benefit holistically to the community. So 100%. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to, you know, share that Kirkland has, you know, is so open. The community is, I think, ready to learn. And, um, you know, folks who've thought about this, you know, maybe a little bit differently are thinking again and um, seem really ready to go on a journey together you know, with, with folks in the community. So it's, it's really heartening. It's, you know, for someone doing what I do, um, you know, I feel very hopeful. So with the recent pandemic, we all find ourselves working remote more and not spending as much time in the office. Michelle, what impact do you think the pandemic and this new way of working, the future of work uh, seems to be more remote, will have on diversity, equity, and inclusion, in particularly inclusion? I, I honestly think there's going to be more struggles associated with it, uh, it for a couple of reasons. Most principally, we do so much, and Joy mentioned this at the beginning, by learning together. And not just learning the nuts and bolts of practicing law, but learning how to be an effective negotiator, how to read the room, how to be present and um, assert your client's 
perspective in a meaningful way, like that skill is different than practicing law. Those skills are how to be effective in the boardroom, if you will. And if I can't see you, I can't engage with you, I can't see how you are performing and feeling about your own performance, right? That 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 is that can slow the that can slow the um, the growth of people. And the other thing I would say is, I value so much about the community. I value the people I work with. I value knowing a lot about who they are. I value being you know appropriately vulnerable about what's going on in my life because I think that someone I think uh, Gil, you said being an example or I want people to see there's a path forward. It's not one path. There's many paths forward. And when we're not all together, it's harder for people to integrate and really connect on that community level. We work so hard and there has to be that trust to, to be effective. And so that, that for me has been a struggle and one that I continue to think through. Um, I do believe in my heart that young associates that come into the office and want to be in the office are going to progress more quickly and are going to feel more comfortable with their own performance, honestly, because they're in, interacting. But yeah. How, how do we move forward on that? Because uh, I, I think, Michelle, too many associates, you know, specifically for big law practice, have gotten so comfortable doing pretty much what we're doing now. We're <laughs> talking into a computer right. <laughs> and yeah. we're having a great time. We're interacting. We're getting some good right. work done, um, true. but they don't realize what they're missing. How do we entice them? I, you know, Kirkland gives a lot of free food and, you know, fun events, but <laughs> what do you think, um, how do we move forward? How do we continue to en enhance the pipeline and, and get young people, you know, participating and coming into the office? I mean, it's, it's the I, big it's challenge. Tough. I think it starts honestly from the most senior people. If I, if I expect the first year associate to be in the office, it's fair for them to expect me to be there too. And so I, 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 I really do live by example in terms of I come and I'm available and I have fun. I mean, I'll be honest, I was just upstairs before I came down to do this podcast and there's like five or six of us in a corner in our office and we're all in. It's Friday. No one's here. It's Friday. <laughs> right. You don't have to be in on Friday. You don't have to be on Friday. But yeah. we're all having a great time and it's it's re it's stress reducing when you're with people you like. And so I get up and I go out of my office and people make a joke and then they, they go back in the office and they continue working. And the flip side of that is when things are tough, they know I'm, you know, two doors down or their their colleague is two doors down the other way. And so creating that environment where people like each other, and it's not just free food, it's like that sense of we really like being together and we really like, you know, working late at night and having dinner in the in the conference room when you're getting ready for a closing, which we, we did this week too. So all of those little things I, are meaningful in my experience were meaningful to me and is something or things I try and do in my weekly uh, experience in the office. I also think you need to be clear. I, in my experience, people are more inclined to um, come in the office if the it's not like, well, if you feel like it. I think we just have to be honest. It, it goes the same thing with feedback. You think about mentoring and sponsoring. Honest, open feedback, creating good channels of dialogue uh, are critical. And so being honest about this, this is important for your own growth and this is important for the firm because we value the community and we value being together and collaborating, I think would go a long way. And sometimes there's mixed messaging because people are nervous about losing talent or being perceived one way in the marketplace or otherwise. When 
the root of it is just we, we want to solve, we want everybody to be the best lawyer they can be. And we, right. I, I honestly believe being the best lawyer means collaborating together. So, mm-hmm. and, and on the in-house front, it's I would say it's a little different. <laughs> we're finding our we're finding ourselves in more the remote mode. Um, and uh, there's obviously some roles that are critical where you must be in the office, but we're finding that there are several roles that can be done remotely, 100% remote, and uh, you you basically have to stretch a little bit more to build that trust in the relationships, and you have to look for opportunities to be face to face, and maybe face to face is virtual. And, you know, that because you're working across borders, we're a multinational corporation, and I'm working with colleagues in the UK and Canada, and I can't always be in the office with them. And so it's really important for me to find ways to build those relationships virtually, which could mean regular one-on-ones, with someone, a one-on-one, not a group setting, but just one-to-one where we talk about personal, we can talk about what we did over the weekend, and but it's a regular meeting where we have an opportunity to get to know each other. And so I believe you can build those relationships remotely when you're in a role that requires you to be 100% remote, uh, but you can't just sit back you know, in your house thinking that, you know, all of a sudden you're going to feel like you're part of this team if you're not doing anything. You have to, I believe, be more aggressive and assertive in doing that relationship building in the, in the virtual space. You you have to be creative about it. Yes. Yes. Sure. For sure. Well, I'm uh, on the on the law on the big law side and the law firm <laughs> side. I'm really glad <laughs> that Michelle is such a great example because yes. I agree that um, you know it, it's really up to the senior partners to you know do what they expect others to do. So absolutely. Love- Love that you guys go in and have your little corner office party there. <laughs> that sounds like a, a plan. Um, so I have I have a like a more of an ending question, um, uh-huh. Gil, that I yes. that I often love to ask okay. leaders, you know, in 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 law and business. Um, and let's let's start with Michelle. Um, so, what is your like top piece of advice just for success? You know, I mean, whether it's you know for women or folks who are diverse, but really kind of in the space that you're obviously such an expert in and a great champion of folks who have, you know, are trying to succeed? I I think it's as simple as saying you have to be brave. And that means- The bravery thing. It it goes back to the bravery. And and maybe that's because for me, that was my personal struggle. Like I I Mm -hmm. may have had a little imposter. I mean, who doesn't, right? But being brave covers a lot of things, like trying things that are uncomfortable, make picking up the phone and asking questions, picking up the phone and introducing yourself, that all of those pieces under the bravery umbrella really are what will create an excellent lawyer and a really strong trajectory in my mind. Um, And so it sounds simple, but I think it covers so much of how we think about success, uh, you know, long-term. And it must be like what carried you through. I mean, did you ever think you would be a senior partner, a woman, in the debt finance private equity practice at the most, you know, and this is my opinion and a lot of people share it, but the most successful private equity firm in the world. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And you lose perspective. It's you know, impressive. On, on how much you accomplished. I mean, <laughs> yes. bravo. And, you know, we need all kinds of examples and I'm so glad that we have you 
as an example, because it takes, you know, it takes so many of us. And that's the diversity. That's the, the richness of diversity to have someone who struggles with or who struggled as a young lawyer with bravery. I mean, it's, that's also important. So I'm so glad you persisted. Gail, what about you? What's your top well, tip? Well, I'm going to add to bravery being curious, being curious and curiosity, just staying curious and, you know, learning as much as you can about the role, about the people that you work with and about the content of the work, the business that you're supporting or businesses. If you're in a firm, you probably support multiple business. So just staying curious and just asking as many questions as you can, especially if you're just starting out. And even today, I stay curious. You know, I continue to ask why in whatever situations where even, even in just building the relationships, you know, before I enter a room, understand, trying to understand where the other person is coming from, understanding and being curious about them and who they are and, you know, where they're from. And just curiosity, I think applies in so many different situations, but yes. And it takes bravery, I believe. So to Michelle's point, they go hand in hand for me. Yes. That's great. Joy, what's your tip? Yes, Joy. Oh, I like that. Thank you, Michelle. Because, <laughs> yeah. because how did I go from host to guest? But this is fine. I know. See how that works? <laughs> exactly. Sneaky. That was sneaky. Well, you know, I really think that, you know, well, you know, we, we need people like Michelle because she's living an example because we need to see more women leaders in places like Kirkland. But clients are really driving change in a way that, you know, law firms can't um, because you can be more... Um, you know, truly insistent on seeing representation and taking away things if, you know, law firms aren't progressing in the way you need. So um, it's wonderful to get the perspective of a client. I mean, I would have to say relationship and understanding relationship um, and just going in and finding commonality with the people that you want to work with and showing up authentically and, you know, being comfortable with who you are and, and who you might identify with and, build a connection with you know it's it's really so it's not easy always but it's pretty simple and the more you know senior folks like you know Michelle and other leaders reach out and keep themselves kind of open and available then I think more young attorneys will you know be available for that relationship building that is so critical to their I like, success I like that I like that well, what we often do, and I like your piece of advice, but I also like to give Michelle just an opportunity for a closing statement or um, maybe some additional nuggets of wisdom, maybe a favorite book, a resource, just something that you'd like to leave our listeners with. So I'm not going to lie, listeners, but may have had a little <laughs> pre-read that I was going to have to do this. So I, 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 did, I thought about it. Uh, I thought about it over the weekend. And what... What really struck me was Michelle Obama's book and Michelle Obama's podcast for a couple reasons. Mm -hmm. we, we, did a, we did a women's podcast book club, whatever you want to call it, during the middle of the pandemic on Zoom, where I moderated a, a discussion about her session with Valerie Jarrett about mentoring. And for those of you that have not listened to this podcast, it, it is inspirational, pragmatic, and just you leave the couple hours feeling like, you can achieve a lot and you can conquer the world. And it's all shared in the context of somebody who's plain spoken and authentically interested in mentoring and 
committed to the advancement of diversity, equity, inclusion herself, the way she lives and who she is. So I would encourage you to give that a chance. It's a couple hours um, of podcast. It's valuable. And then the other thing I would say, she I was I was looking up the, the podcast references and she recently wrote, there's power in allowing yourself to be known and heard and owning your unique story and using your authentic voice. And there's grace and willing to know and hear others. For every door that's been open to me, I've tried to open my door to others. And that for mm. me is what we can do as being a mentor, sponsor, or being a sponsee, mentee. So I love it. That's powerful. And that's a great quote. And I think on that note, <laughs> I want to thank both you, Joy, and Michelle. Michelle, thank you for being our guest today. And Joy, thank you for co-hosting. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a delight. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> All thank right. you both. I am fortunate to have had such an insightful conversation with not one, but two dynamic leaders from our law firm partner, Kirkland and Ellis, Joy Bourgeois and Michelle Kilkenny. Thank you both for sharing so many nuggets of wisdom with our listeners. That's it for this episode. I'm Gil Cubia. See you next time.